Or turn it back up. Whoa, geez, now I need to apologize. All right. So, hey, good morning. Welcome to Journey Church. My name is Scott, another seamless entry onto the stage. Thank you for, be- thank for, <laughs> thank you for being here this morning. Um, I hope this morning you enjoyed a, a nice ride, maybe drive, maybe walk into church this morning. It's, it's beautiful out there. It was the same yesterday. Um, yesterday, I, I drove to Salem, and my family, we, we're, we have a rental car right now, which is, which is a longer story. I can share that maybe a later day. But, but we have a rental car, and, and this rental company, they gave us an electric car, like all electric. So you have to you know, plug it in. It's got to be charged, and it's, it's super like, fancy and, and fun. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to Salem. I might as well drive this, this rental car, and since I don't have to pay for gas, it's just energy. Let's just, let's just go for it. And, and I got on I-5 heading down to Salem, and it has all the bells and whistles, right? It has all the things that were like the cruise control, this automatic cruise control that like gauges the distance from the car in front of you. I realized also that if I push this button that, that I actually don't even have to steer anymore. Like it just keeps you in between the lanes. I'm not sure if that's what it was intended for, but that's how I took advantage of it. And so I just started just sitting there and letting the car drive itself to, to Salem. And I was like just kind of hanging out. I tested it for a while, right? Like I had my hand on the steering wheel. I just was making sure I didn't run into the truck. And, and it would like go around corners and it was just like kind of keep going. And then I just thought this was fantastic. But then I thought about it. I thought, you know, sometimes I feel like I wish my faith in, in Jesus and the way that the Holy Spirit worked in my life was like that, where I could just get put on like autopilot. And just cruise control. Lord, just keep me from, from bumping into the car in front of me. Keep me from crashing into the people behind me. Lord, keep me from veering off into the other lanes. Help me just stay where you'd have me to be. Isn't that maybe how we think it would be just great to, to follow Jesus? It was just simple. It was just automatic. We didn't even, we didn't even have to do anything. We just like put faith in him and say, yeah, we're good to go. You, what is it? Jesus, take the wheel, right? It's like just like Jesus, take, take the wheel. So here's the thing, though. I, got, I started driving, or I wasn't driving, I was sitting, but, it, but, but eventually the car makes a noise. It kind of starts beeping at me and flashes at me. And I look down at the, at the, near the speedometer, there's a sign that says, put your hands back on the wheel. And I was like, oh, man, it's like it knows everything. I was like looking around like, where's big brother? And, and, I, and I felt like, like, Lord, that's actually what I think you're, you're telling me. Like, I would love to have a faith that was just like I didn't have to do anything. Right? I don't have to participate. I don't have to, I mean, I don't have to make decisions. I can just put it on cruise control, following Jesus, staying in my lane. But I felt like in, in this moment as I was thinking about that yesterday and then today as we're going to be looking in, in John, at the end of John chapter 1, like, like Jesus is saying, like, no, put your hands back on the wheel and follow me. Like, like there's a participation that you're going to have to like lean into as we do this thing together. So if you, if you haven't been with us uh, here before as we're entering into this uh, new series uh, in the Gospel of John that we're calling Come and See, where we're looking at the story of Jesus as told by John, um, welcome. We're, we're glad that you are here. We're glad that you have, have joined us for this. And, and today we're going to continue at the end of John chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, let me encourage you to open it up to John chapter 1. And then this is what we've been doing the last few weeks, and we're going to just continue doing it until... Until we don't, but we're, we're going to, as we read this, the word this morning, I'm going to invite you, if you're willing and able, to, to stand with me, just out of a posture of, of reverence. So uh, go ahead and stand with me if you're willing and able, and then I will read to you from John chapter 1, starting in verse 43. 
It says, the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So here we are at the end of John uh, chapter 1. And if you've been with us for the last few weeks, you know that we've been kind of going through this little piece by piece. And so here we are at the next day, and what we read is that Jesus decides, he makes a decision, he's like, it's time to go to Galilee. And we don't, we don't get any details on why, and maybe we'll see later on in the story, but he's like, it just says, he decides, I'm going to Galilee. And, and we can assume, if we were paying attention last week, that, that both probably Peter and Andrew and maybe another disciple were with Jesus as he starts on his way to Galilee. But what John points out at the end of this chapter, it says that on his way to Galilee, he, he finds Philip. Now, when, he, when it says that he finds Philip, it's not like this, this random stumbling upon Philip, like you might stumble upon a, a seashell at the beach. Ooh, that's cool. No, when he talks about finding Philip, the word actually means that he was searching for. He was looking for. And he was seeking out Philip. Now, the question we would ask, like, why like, is Philip that special? Like, why was Jesus looking for Philip? Well, again, if we were paying attention last week, we saw that, that when Andrew and this other disciple or future disciple, disciple found Jesus, they went and, and they found Simon, who would then quickly be renamed Peter. And we see that Jesus actually kind of knew already who Peter was, like that he would actually be coming across Peter. He was prepared with both his name and his new name. He knew Peter. And so what we see here is that when Jesus found Philip, he already knew Philip, and he had a plan in place for Philip. You see, what, what we, can, we can better understand what's going on here out of what we read in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, when Paul says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, I want just to pause for a moment just to consider what, what Paul writes and what is declared in that verse, where it says we are God's handiwork, that we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which have been prepared in advance for us to do. You see, we could take this, this we out and we could replace we with, with Philip. Like Philip was, is God's handiwork. And he is, was created in Christ Jesus to do good works which were prepared in advance for us. But the reality is, is we could also take that blank space and we can put our name. We should know and understand that, that we, that I, that you 
are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, to do the things that God has planned and prepared for you to do. This isn't limited to just the, the disciples that we're reading about today. It's not limited to pastors or, or priests, to, to teachers or, or prophets. This is, this is for everyone. You see, the story of Jesus, as we'll go through and as we'll see today and in the days ahead, it's a story that is for everyone, that Jesus is seeking and seeking out everyone. And no matter how people might actually come to Jesus, because as we'll see, like people will come to Jesus in, in a few different ways. Some will be found, some will find, some will come with questions, some will come with needs and desires, some will come broken, some will come diseased. People will come to Jesus in different ways, but it is Jesus that is drawing them unto himself with his goodness, with his grace, and with his Holy Spirit. We'll see that in the story of Jesus, and we'll see that in our own lives if, if, we, if we're open to it. Like even if we look at our own stories, like Jesus found me. And that's kind of what we say is, is our, our mission here at, at Journey Church is that we want to be a church that helps people find and follow Jesus together. But is, it is Jesus that does the seeking, the looking, the searching, and the finding by his Holy Spirit. But no matter how you come to him, the invitation is the same. And it's what Jesus says to Philip. He says, follow me. This will be a theme that we'll see at different times in this story. But, but to Philip, he just says, follow me. That's all he says to him. And as we look at the story, we can assume that, that Philip follows Jesus, right? We, just, we don't get that detail, but it, as the story goes, we assume that Philip is, is following him. But I want you to notice like, what Philip didn't say. When, or wait, sorry, what Jesus didn't say to Philip. Jesus didn't say, come and, and join this new religion that I'm starting. Hey, come and, and visit this synagogue that, that I like a lot. Hey, come and, and start, start doing these certain things. Or maybe come and, and stop doing those certain things. He doesn't even say to Philip, why don't you come and, and become a, a, a Christian? What he says to Philip is he says, follow me. Now, I don't know if, if this is, is your, similar to your story, but it, when I grew up, I, I mean, I grew up in the church, so I grew up listening to, to Bible stories. I grew up listening to people preach from the gospel. I grew up looking at and listening to, to stories just like this, where Jesus t speaks to, to people and he says, come, follow me. And, and the way that I would interpret that, the way that I would understand that is, is, is that Jesus is saying, come and, and be a Christian. And, and the way that I understood coming and being a Christian was that you would accept Jesus, right? You would accept like who he is and that you would accept the forgiveness that he offers for your sins through his death. And then while you're waiting to go to heaven, you'd go to church, you'd read your Bible, you'd pray, and maybe you'd share your faith with other people. This was, this was what, what it looked like for me. And maybe you, you can relate that, that when you heard people talking about following Jesus, it was, it was all about kind of just becoming a, a Christian. Now, now, none of that is, is wrong. That is, that's my experience. That's how I, Jesus found me. And it's how I've, I've led my, my children. It's, it's what I hope for, for each one of you. But, but it, it, it's really just a, a portal of, of entry into faith and following of Jesus. In his book, it's called One Life, it's um, by Scott McKnight. He actually seeks to answer this question. The question like, what is a, is a Christian? And as he seeks to answer the, the question, he tells his own story a little bit. And in that story, he says, you know, 
a long time ago, if you would have asked me, what is, what is a Christian? I would say it's, it's someone who accepts Jesus and who has all of these personal practices like reading your Bible, going to church, and, and praying. But then after years of, of studying, years of, of faith, and this is really the, the point of, of his book and what he hopes to explain and, and portray in, in the book, One Life, and it's one that I would recommend, is that the answer to that question, what is a Christian? It's, it's someone who's decided to follow Jesus. Now, I realize that some of this might feel like, like just kind of semantics, right? This is just like playing, like, like just what the words are. Like, like a follower of Jesus is a Christian, and, and, a, and a Christian is, is a follower of Jesus. But, but maybe you can relate to this. And I, because I related to what Scott McKnight said in his book, that for me, I spent a lot of time like trying to just be a Christian, like what, what it meant to, to be a Christian, which meant like doing the things that I was supposed to do and not doing the things that I, that I was not supposed to do. Uh, certainly accepting Jesus and the forgiveness of my sins, but often focusing on, on the things that I was, was for or the things that I was supposed to be against rather than focusing on, on following Jesus. There was, a, there was a difference for me between those two, those two things. And here's the thing as we look at, at this story today. When Andrew... Peter and Philip, when they, when they came to Jesus, when Jesus said, follow me, like the question we might want to ask is, is that what Jesus meant? When Jesus said that to, to, to Philip, when he says, follow me, did, did he mean come and, and be a, a Christian? Or did it mean something a little bit different? The two are, are interchangeable. But as we'll see, following Jesus, it actually re requires even, even more of us, and it even offers more of Christ himself. You see, when, when Philip and, and the others heard Jesus say this, follow me, they, they recognized that word. They understood what Jesus was saying when Jesus said, follow me. They understood that, that to follow Jesus was to, to enter into a relationship. Enter into a new relationship as, as either a, a rabbi and a disciple, as, as a master and, and an apprentice, as a teacher and as a student, and as they would soon learn as, as a savior and a one who needs to be saved. Like they understood that this was a new relationship that they were enter into, entering into. But this was a relationship that would eventually change and transform their lives. Because what they would see and learn is what we will see and learn and come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is the King of Israel, that Jesus is the Lamb of God, that Jesus is the Son of Man. We can go through all the titles that we'll read in the, in the Gospel of John, that Jesus is all of these things, and that we have an opportunity to, to believe that right? We've talked about this the last few weeks. At the end of John's gospel, John will say, like, all of these things that I've written, I've written so that you would believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Son of God, and that by believing, you would have life, new life, a Jesus life, an abundant life in his name. And it's a life that would be filled with, with following Jesus. 
Now, this kind of relationship, this relationship of, of following Jesus, as, again, as a disciple or as an apprentice or as a student, we, they knew that this would come with about five different expectations because they understood this type of relational dynamic between a, 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 a rabbi and, and a student. They knew that it meant that they would, be, need to, they would need to listen to Jesus, that they would need to learn from Jesus, they would need to practice the ways of Jesus, and that they would also need to live the life of Jesus. Now, for, for, for them and for us, it, it, there are similarities and differences in what that actually plays out like in real time, what it looks like for us to, to listen to Jesus through his word and, and through his spirit, what it means for us to, to learn from Jesus and understand like both who he is and, and what he taught when he says things like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In the beginning to, to practice the way of Jesus, Jesus, putting into practice the things that he is saying and doing, and then trusting him, putting belief and, and faith in him, believing that Jesus is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do. We said this last week, we talked about it briefly, that what we believe about Jesus, it, it changes everything. It changes how we live, how we operate on our trajectory. And then the last part, that, that living the life of Jesus, that's kind of the, the fruit, right? That's the, the end result. That's what, what happens. And, and we actually don't get to see that in the Gospel of John very clearly. We see examples of it in, in the Gospel of John and some of the other Gospels where the disciples, those who are following Jesus, they begin to li live the life of Jesus here on earth. But we really don't begin to see it until we get into to Acts, in the book of Acts, when we see that the Holy Spirit comes and, and fills the disciples. And the presence of Jesus fills them and they begin to, to live out the, the Beatitudes. They begin to live out the, the fruit of of the Spirit and begin to live a Jesus-filled life so that the things that they do are the things that Jesus would have done. I don't know if, if how many of you maybe played sports in, at any point in, in your life, but growing up I played uh, basketball and, and it was probably the, my most favorite sport when I was both a, a kid and, and, and a teenager. And in sports, you practice, right? You, you put in practice, you, you listen and, and you learn from your coach, and you even maybe have some sort of, of trust in, in, in the practice and in, in the coach himself. But the hope is that at some point, what you want to accomplish on the court or field of play, it just becomes natural. It's just a byproduct of all the other things, all of the, the listening and the learning and the practicing and the trusting, that eventually it just comes out on the field of play as, as a natural byproduct. You're not even trying. There's, there's, and there's moments where it's like, I'm not, I don't even, I'm not even trying to, to shoot this three-pointer, and yet it, it just seems to, to go in on its own. It just becomes a, a natural way of, of being. And I think that's in some way the hope as is, is we follow Jesus as, as disciples, as those who are committed to believing and following him, that we would, by listening to him, learning from him, practicing his ways, putting our trust in him, that eventually we would have a life that just is a natural outflow of his presence, a natural outflow of Jesus living in and through us. You see, this, this is what Philip is invited into. 
And you notice that the first thing that Philip does is he goes and he finds Nathaniel. And he introduces him to Jesus. Right? That's one of the things we have on our, on our sign that we will be in this family. We will introduce people to Jesus. And I love Philip's method for doing this, the way that he introduces Nathaniel. He just says, hey, look what, look what we found. We found the one that, that Moses wrote about. And then when, when he actually gets kind of questioned, like the validity of, of what, he was, what he had found is questioned by Nathaniel, he says, well, just, just come and see. <laughs> just come and, and meet Jesus. Just come and, and see for yourself. And, and when Nathaniel does, he wasn't disappointed, right? Jesus amazed Nathaniel so much that he cried out to him, you are the king of Israel. You are the son of God. And, and Jesus was like, man, all you saw was like a, a, just a, a glimpse you are going to see and participate in greater things. And it's here in this moment that Jesus is actually pointing to the, kind of the bigger picture of, what he's, of what's taking place in this passage. It's, it's not just simply a story of a couple of guys that decide to, to kind of quit the, doing what they were doing and to, and to follow this rabbi. But what he tells them in the, in the story is that you are going to see heaven open up. He makes a promise to Nathaniel and to all of us that we're going to see heaven opening up. We're going to see angels descending and descending on the Son of Man. Now, what we don't understand and know for sure, for sure and there's mystery in all of this, is, is like, well, would Nathaniel actually see this? Like, because that would be cool, right? Or will we actually be able to see these things happening here on earth? That part's unclear. But what is clear is like this is a picture of heaven invading earth. It's a picture that we get from um, in Genesis, I think it's in chapter 28, where, where Jacob, I don't know if you remember the story in the, in the Old Testament, Jacob falls asleep and he has a similar dream, this dream of, of heavens opening up and there's this stairway where angels are ascending and, and descending from heaven to earth. Like it certainly could be connected to that, but I actually think what we're seeing in what Jesus is promising to Nathaniel, what he's promising to us, is, is we're getting a picture of what Jesus would soon teach his disciples to pray for. We don't see this prayer in, in John's gospel, but we see it in, in Matthew and we see it in Luke. When Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, he says, pray this, pray our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. He says, pray thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's praying that, that heaven, and he encourages us to pray that heaven might invade earth. And see, what Jesus was telling Nathaniel, I believe what he's telling us, is that those who follow him, those who, who make a decision to follow Jesus, they would see greater things. They're going to experience, and as we'll read later on in John's gospel, they will do greater things. Jesus tells them that, that they would actually be these kind of agents of heaven that are invading earth, that they might be conduits of the kingdom of God, extending the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And here's what we'll see as we continue to go through the story of Jesus as John tells it is that as Jesus went around inviting people to be a part of this, as he went around inviting women and, and men and all sorts of people to come and, and to follow him,
He wasn't trying to just simply build an audience. He wasn't trying to create a, a crowd of people. Jesus was finding followers that he could use to, to rescue and to redeem and transform this world. I want you to pay attention as we read through the rest of this story over the next 50 plus weeks. And as we go through that story together, we'll see that as they follow Jesus, he goes to where the people are. He goes to where the broken are. He goes to where the needy are, where the hungry and the hurting, where the outcasts are. He goes to where the people that, that look different than him and his disciples are, where the people that think different, that believe different. He goes to, to them. Where Jesus goes, he goes to the places on earth that need heaven the most. And as he goes, he says to them, and I believe he's saying to us, follow me. So let me ask you a couple questions. First is, how is, the, how is this following Jesus going for you? Like, what areas as we talk about following Jesus, listening to, learning from, practicing the way, trusting and living life, which of these are, are difficult or challenging and, and why? And where are we going as we follow Jesus? Are we simply going to church or are we going to, to places where, where heaven on earth just might be needed a little bit more? Are we going to where the, the needy are, to where the hurting are, to where the outcasts are? And then what are you expecting? What are you expecting and what are you hoping for as you're following Jesus into these or any other places? I'm going to um, close in, in prayer. And as I do, the, the worship team is going to come up. And, and I, I, this prayer that I'm going to pray is, is one I've prayed with you before. And, it, and it's one that I've tried to kind of um, add into my own daily prayer life. But, but part of it is this, this commitment to, to turn and to follow Jesus. It's, it's a decision that we don't just make on a, on a one-and-done one basis, but it's a decision we make daily. So would you pray with me? Father, I pray that, that this day that we would walk in your presence, pleasing you more and more. Jesus, I pray that this day that we would turn, take up our cross, and follow you. And Holy Spirit, I pray that this day you would fill us with yourself and ripen in us the fruit of your spirit, love joy and peace, patience, kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now this morning as, as we wrap up our time together, we're going to take communion together this morning. So if, if you happen to grab that on your way and you can kind of pull that out and get it ready, maybe start <laughs> peeling off the lids and, and getting things ready to go. But Here's a few thoughts I want you to consider as, as we prepare to take communion this morning. In most of the Gospels, we, we see a, the, Jesus having the Last Supper, right, with, with, his, with his disciples. In most of the Gospels, we see that. And the, the taking communion, it's an opportunity for us to, to remember, 
right? To remember what Jesus did on our behalf, to, to remember the gospel, that Jesus died on the cross according to scripture, that our sins might be forgiven. And it's an opportunity for us to, to thank God and to thank Jesus and to actually do this together, right? We take communion at a, at a table. I know today we're kind of taking it in, in rows, but it's something that we do to remember, to be grateful, and to lean into together. But what's unique about John's gospel, and we're, again, we'll get there in a couple months, is, is he doesn't tell the same Last Supper story that the other gospels do. He actually focuses on something else that takes place at that last meal, and it's actually the, the washing of the disciples' feet. Jesus stopped and, and he kind of undressed and put on a, a towel and, and he washed each one of the disciples' feet. And here's what he said to them after doing so. He said, do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you go and do them. You see, when we come together to take communion, it's, it's not only an invitation to remember. It's actually an invitation to follow Jesus, to remember his death, and to follow his life. See, by doing so, we remember. And by doing so, we follow. And now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So would you stand with me as we take communion together this morning? The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me.
Well, thank you all for coming today. It's great to follow Jesus with you together as a family. And, and it was mentioned a couple times, and, but the idea that our beliefs inform our behaviors is real. What we begin, what we believe begins to put fruit on our trees. And there's no greater place to start than a belief in Jesus. And maybe during the service today or communion, you had a moment where you're like, man, I don't like the behaviors that I'm seeing in a certain area of my life. I know I did. I'm in that boat. And I'm with you in desiring to follow Jesus, that my belief in Jesus Christ would be the first belief and that that would inform the rest of my behaviors. And so maybe for you today, you haven't had that opportunity. Maybe you haven't really said, Jesus, I believe in who you say you are. I believe that you're the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through you. Or maybe this is an opportunity where you're needing to be reminded of that. Like Scott was saying, this is a prayer that we pray daily in surrender and yielding to a holy, powerful God. So I just want to encourage you and ask you to come talk to us. We love to pray with you and encourage you. If that's you today where you're saying, I believe in Jesus Christ and I need that belief to inform my behaviors or I need to come back to believing foundationally that Jesus is the author and perfecter of my faith. We want to pray with you. We want to encourage you. We want to follow Jesus with you together as a family. And I think that there's no better way than doing that, than singing the doxology. The words won't be on the screen, and that's okay. I think this is a familiar tune they will sing. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures Amen. Thank you all for coming today. Be blessed as you take the Spirit of God with you into your weeks, and we'll see you next week right back here at 10 a.m.